Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for Peculiar Podcast, hosted by Pat Cashman. Gorgeous to look at. And Lisa Foster. She's dangerous. See, you're off. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. <laughs> can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. It's love and time. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, so we. It's also been a while since we learned that Aretha Franklin passed away, but sure enough, yeah. she did. I sure have been listening to a lot of her music lately. Yeah. I mean, just what a diverse talent she was, and oh gosh, I just never get tired of her music. Hey, did I ever tell you about a documentary called Muscle Shoals? If I, I did, so, you might yeah. have forgotten about yeah. it. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Did you ever watch it? No. She figures. What, what was uh, it about? There's a part of her uh, story that figures prominently in that documentary. Uh, in short, let me recommend it to anybody. You can get it on Netflix. It's called Muscle, Sh- Muscle Shoals. And it's a place in Alabama uh, on the on the Gulf. And it is the, was the home of this very small, indistinct, otherwise no one would ever know about it, recording studio, where for some reason... A lot of really well-known artists came to record, and some of the most mm-hmm. legendary R&B and rock and roll songs ever recorded were done in this dinky backwater little studio, including, uh, it's also credited with kind of helping Aretha Franklin find her voice. She wasn't wow. really, she didn't have it figured out. Uh, the recording studios knew they had a big talent here, but they couldn't figure out how to use her. And uh, mm. it sort of clicked when she went to Muscle Shoals. He said, you know, I've got this great little studio down in um, Muscle Shoals, and these cats, are, these cats are really greasy. You're going to love it. She walks in right over there. And she's got this aura around her pretty thick. I mean, the girl was special. I remember watching the guys, being good southern boys, they carry on with anything except looking or dealing with her. So she walked right over to the piano. She sat there a moment, and then she just hit this unknown chord, I would say. Didn't anybody have to say we're about to cut? We did what we called head sessions at that time, and there was no real music written for it. 
the musicians would just listen to what it was I was doing, and then they would decide what they were going to do around that. It's great. It's songs like... Uh... Anyway, watch it. It's on Netflix. It's called Muscle Schultz. I've said enough. How right. you doing? Doing all right. But did you watch any of the uh, funeral coverage for Aretha Franklin and also John McCain, who <clears throat> passed away? Yeah. Uh, McCain, uh, I'm sorry, was not a very good singer. No, I, he wasn't. I didn't very buy, I've never bought one of his albums. Very different funerals, though. Uh, yeah. Just amazing the, the comparison between how they celebrated each of those two very different lives yeah it it uh that's those are passing of two two real giants there mm -hmm. in different different fields obviously and of Indeed. course uh, it's been commented on a million times by now uh the the singular person that was not in attendance at john mccain's funeral was notable mm -hmm. and, as well as those that were there uh, interesting stuff. I don't think anything will change. All those wonderful profundities and wise words about working together and getting along and uh, achieving whatever. It, it'll it'll all, you know, be disappeared by the time this podcast hits the air. But it's sure. still nice to hear them once in a while. Absolutely. That, that was cool. Yeah. So, uh, not to... Well, I'll just start <laughs> off... I uh, have been, uh, I know you travel a lot. I've kind of been traveling back and forth quite a bit, too. Yeah. Uh, last week, I went up, drove all the way to Seattle for the 70th birthday of a guy named Richard Peterson. Who, I can't believe it. Yeah, he's, a, he's an autistic man, 70 years old. He's a longtime street musician in Seattle. A lot of people know his story. Many don't. Uh, but he uh, he has this remarkable facility for... Uh, all kinds of things. Uh, he, the music he can play on a keyboard and on a trumpet is all self-taught. He just plays by ear. Wow. And, and he also has this ability to remember names and places, and he's got a, a mind for numbers uh, as well. So, And I've talked about this before, but he, there's a certain people that he identifies, and he calls them personalities. They are mm -hmm. often from radio or TV, but not always. And if you make the cut, if you become a personality, Richard will remember every time he's met you. He calls it a story. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like you're an imaginary building in his mind. And uh, so he's met me some 600 times. And so wow. I can ask him, Richard, what was the 119th time we met? And he, he would say something like, that would be August 1st, 1999. You were standing in front of the Bon Marche, which is now a different store, and you were wearing a blue tie. You know, <laughs> like that. That's so, amazing. He, yeah, he's an amazing guy. So I went up for his 70th birthday. They set him up with a keyboard. He played some songs. And then uh, I hopped in my little car the next morning and drove all the way back down here to Central Oregon. So I logged about, uh, you know, well over 700 miles in, uh, inside of 24 hours. But I like, I love driving by you myself. You do? I do. I love it. Oh, I hate it. I hate driving. No. I hate driving mainly because if I were the only person on the road, that'd be fine. I would love driving. La, 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 la. Lonely. I'm driving. La, la, la. But it's the other people on the road that make me nuts. Well, that's what the other people say about you, so. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm pretty think, sure they do. I think we can agree on one thing. A world without a lot of big trucks on the road would be better. I, they, do, I, I know. I don't That like can get pretty harrowing, yeah. But I, I like it if I'm well set up, if I have like a good book on tape or something like that. I'm by myself, uh, taking my time. I, I, I love driving. But about uh, well, six weeks now ago or so, uh, one of the hardest days ever in my life was when I we come, came to the decision we had to put our dog Elliot down. I know. It I'm became sorry. it became something probably a lot of other people could figure out, but it had to hit me over the head with a club before I, it became apparent. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's reached the finish line here. Mm-hmm. I, I just told my wife he just wore out. That's all. Mm-hmm. He's like a he's like a car mm-hmm. that just c- couldn't run anymore. He could keep putting gas in him, but everything was breaking down. And how old was he? He was not quite twelve. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. too short. Uh, mm-hmm. of a lifespan but he you know he's had all kinds of things gone wrong with him and um so that was really tough and uh, m- my wife couldn't go so i had to pick him up put him in the car and all that stuff that goes with that but old dog went to sleep today he won't be waking up couldn't stand to see his pain had him since a pup Though his body fell His spirit still prevail And it will live home Making me strong Because my old dog sent me peace today uh, Later we got his ashes back and and I'd forgotten that he had had, and you you were the one who turned me on to this, I'd forgotten that he'd had knee surgery mm-hmm. five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And they'd put a little a little metal piece in to repair his his leg that where he right. was all messed up. And so that came, that little piece of metal oh, came in a it, separate little bag. Oh, it did? And I'm looking at it and saying, what's this? Oh, that's right. Now I remember. Oh, yeah, so wow, we have his little I, little box I didn't of get ashes. Any, I didn't get any pieces back from my dogs. Hmm, maybe they just I discarded did, it. I, now, I thought, now, did they give you that that uh, paw print in the clay thing? Yeah, I didn't memorial? ask for that, but they did that. Yeah. Okay, because I told you about my daisies. The the guy who did daisies. It doesn't even look like he like used her. He looks like he used her nose. It doesn't even look like a popper. It is so sloppy. <laughs> and it's it, it, it and I was a little horrified when I got it back. But now I look at it and it it makes me chuckle a little bit because it's just it's so awful. Yeah. So. Well, you know, the reason I brought Elliot's passing up is because that was the only hard part about mm-hmm. my drive because you know, I'd come yeah. around the corner and say, oh, yeah, that's a rest stop we used to stop at all the time. Mm. And he'd go, there's the river we let him sleep, swim in, in the Columbia River down mm-hmm. just on the Washington side. There's a park there, and we would stop there all the time. So that became pretty bittersweet. But otherwise, I enjoyed driving. It was great to be up. I went up a, a couple of different times for these uh, these shows that are called Tribute Time Machine. And I'm I play this kind of cheesy disc jockey, but it's it's really uh it's really a framework so they can pay tribute to particular musicians, 
One show was built around the music of Fleetwood Mac. And, and where is and the, where are these shows at? What, I never even heard of this. They're what at Historic it? Everett Theater. Oh, okay, right. I, yeah. right. Now I know what you're talking about. And and then the second show was uh, just the past weekend uh, uh, built around uh, the career of Linda Ronstadt. And I have to tell you, in both of these cases, these bands and musicians were unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Especially Linda. You'd swear that was Linda Ronstadt singing. She was really outstanding. Come on Oh, so they had impersonators? Yeah, they're cover bands, really, but they're top-flight cover bands. And and, and so the framework that this producer has created is that me, the disc jockey, is sort of telling their their life story. uh, And and there's some humor in it and stuff, and they kind of give me free reign. We'll do one more, uh, at this point anyway, scheduled. And and it's around Elvis. And the guy that does Elvis... I mean, there's a million Elvis impersonators, but sure. a very few good ones. And this guy doesn't just sit and perform the songs, but he engages the audience. He walks around. He tells stories. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. That one is October 5th. And again, it's at Historic Everett Theater. You can get on their website. But this, this theater, built in 1901, and when you go down into the, the lower floors where the dressing rooms are, there are pictures of everybody from Al Jolson. Nat King Cole. Sometimes I wonder I spend the lonely night. John Barrymore. I mean, there's just scads of people that all played in this theater through the years. Helen Hayes. And so when you go up those back stairs that haven't changed at all in, since 1901, it's kind of cool to think, oh, geez, Barrymore was standing on this very staircase. And all it's a neat old theater. It's pretty cool. Yeah, very had good, fun. And, had a good time. And when's the next one? October? October 5. October yeah. 5th. Okay, good. Just for the record. Um, and then, and, and, and I'll wrap this up. Then I, uh, what else did I do? Uh, I, uh, oh yeah, I had my, uh, oh, I, I had my class reunion. <gasps> you did? Yeah, yeah. What, like your 80th? Pretty much, yeah. Probably if, felt like it. Yeah, are you sitting down? No. It was the 50th class reunion. Holy cow. Yeah, I graduated, I was the youngest ever to graduate. In 1910? Uh, at the age of five. <laughs> um, but they, but it was. It's hard to believe. I mean, when you go to when you go to school, when you go to high school, you cannot wait for that to, to be over with. And you're and you're only yeah. eighteen years old. And so the idea that another fifty years has passed since then, yeah, is kind of unfathomable. But that's the fact. So, so so I got to be the MC for this thing, 
And uh, so here's here's the, here's the way I started it off. And the uh, high school class president, the president of our class, was there. And his name is Donald Don Hickman, and he was an he was a uh, you know a jock, but a really nice guy. Everybody loved Don Hickman. So I get up at the beginning of the of the evening, and I say, "Everybody, uh, my name is Pat Cashman. I hope you will remember that I was the valedictorian of our class. I I mean I wasn't, but I hope you would remember me as being that. I wasn't, and then I go to this whole thing about how I." <laughs> purposely mailed it in in junior high <laughs> so that other people could get better grades than me and I said I did that for you thank you very much <laughs> I said but I'm I want to change the subject right now I'm going to get a little controversial and maybe this isn't appropriate at a high school reunion but I got to say what's on my mind and I think after 50 years I'm entitled to my opinion just like you are to yours so here's what I'm going to say we have the worst president in the history <laughs> The absolute worst, and and I and I I love that moment because it just got really quiet in there. Oh, I there were, bet there were a couple of a, a little applauses here and there, but for the most part, it was just <laughs> it was just a hush, and I let it play on for a long time. That's good. Said, and Ooh. then I said, and of course, I am speaking about President Donald Hickman. <laughs> And when I said Hickman, they just the relief went over, and it was a big laugh. And then I said, come on, you know it's true. Our class president has kept none of the promises he made in his campaign. I mean, think <laughs> about it. Candidate Hickman said he changed the start of the school day to 11 in the morning so we could sleep in. Never happened. He <laughs> said he'd see to it that none of us seniors would have to take chemistry or biology or physics or geometry. None of the hard classes. That didn't happen. He promised the school lunch menu would have only hamburgers and pizza five days a week. Not true. We regularly had these crummy casseroles like turkey tetrazzini and then something called a Farmer John special, whatever the hell that is. And I said, I think the only reason we put up with President Hickman is because we knew Vice President Cartmill would be his replacement. And it was a guy named Dean Cartmill who was my best friend in the world. Aww. So I went over very well. It was a lot of fun. Everybody always promises they're going to keep in touch. Yeah, of course but they do. It doesn't usually happen, but yeah. Uh, so that's so I did that, and then finally, I I was I presided over a wedding. It was a wedding of my niece. Yes, I remember. It was you a cash getting, getting prepared for that. I was, and it went. It was outside of uh, Bend, Oregon. Oh, maybe fifteen miles, on this farm in this beautiful setting out there. Yeah. And um, well attended, a lot of people there, and uh, and it was a oh I forgot to mention the it was two women getting married to each other. Yes, and and uh, it struck me that so many people kept referring to it as a gay wedding, mm. and I thought, why do we why do we summarize a, a wedding that way? Right. Uh, we, we, you wouldn't go and say, oh, man, I went to this straight wedding over the weekend. It was fantastic. Exactly. Really nice. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, that, so I, that, that gave me some pause, but it, is, uh, it went very nicely. It was beautiful. And, and I, I wrote a little bit of funny stuff, and then I've got serious about it. You know, you, you, you women are going to face some 
some blowback, some bias uh, against you in your lives like you already have. But the important thing is that you love each other and, and that's all that should matter to anybody else. You know, all, all those yeah. sorts, sort of things that said that. Good. And I, and it was getting lot getting laughs where they were appropriate and otherwise. So I don't know if you've ever seen a football player who's takes the ball in the end zone and he's running downfield and he's eluding and it's going really well and he's gaining yards 15, <laughs> 20, 25, 30, and it's just right. going great. Right. I, I had that feeling in my mind. Yes. As I and was, then... I was getting to the, uh, just getting to the. Uh, sometimes a, a football player will get just to the other end end zone, and he'll drop the ball before Uh-oh. he actually crosses the line. I've seen that happen. Did yeah. that happen to you? That's what happened to me. Oh no! <laughs> I can't and even I... imagine what you did to screw it up. <laughs> I don't know. It was all written. What'd I, I did look. I look away from my script a lot, but. I knew what I was supposed to say. Uh-oh. And uh, so we get to get to the very end. It's, and, 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 believe, and let me tell you again, it's gone great. Yeah, it's just, I could, I'm and I, sure and it I'm has. I'm actually thinking that in my mind. I'm saying, God, this is going great. I'm nailing this. <laughs> this is perfect. Good. This is that, great. Well, that's, I think, the problem is when we, that, you get overconfident. Yep, and then, I think that's right. I think that's right. And then right. you weren't holding on to the ball so tightly. So yeah, I was listening to a podcast uh, by a guy named Malcolm Gladwell, and he was talking about a condition, and I think it's called parapraxis, and it's where you 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 know what you're supposed to say, you think you have something memorized, right? And you and you you, you screw it up, yeah. And, and he pointed out to various examples, like Elvis could not get through a particular song. Uh, without screwing it up. And it has like 10 live recordings of the same song, and he screws it up every time at the same place. And sometimes he laughs, sometimes he just stops, sometimes he gets hysterical. Well, that's sort of what happened to me. And I get to the finish line, and I'm supposed to say, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Mrs. and Mrs. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. You and me kiss each other. And I think I had a little parapraxis happen because I said, ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. <gasps> blah, 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 blah. Oh, no. And the girls swiveled their heads around, looked back at me. They said, oh. And I, and I immediately realized what I, oh, no. I said, oh, jeez, that's embarrassing. I screwed that up. Or so I said words, something, words like that. And then I fixed it, and and they cast, and everybody cheered and then they left but i mean for me it made uh all the other 99.9 percent of it yeah uh i just was just so upset about it and they they but they they uh they said and i kept hearing this from people they said that was great i love the ending where you pretended like you got that wrong oh yeah so So see that's the the, thing the benefit of doing a lot of jokes and people thought that was just right trying to be a funny too yeah exactly so. so I guess that's okay, but but the girls knew, and and the, and I felt horrible about it, but they were very sweet about it, and they realized I just goofed up, and uh, so that's what I did. That's that's my well, story. That's, that's what yeah. I've been doing the last few weeks. Well, that's not too bad. I mean, you could have done something even worse, like I don't know, you know, well, pass then what, gas or something, you know. But yeah, and then and then after the fact, this couple of weeks later. 
we start hearing uh, through the grapevine that there were at least a couple people that were there that were not approving of this union. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How did that go? and, and, I, and I'm not sure who it was. I hope it wasn't a member of my own family. I, I got a couple people in mind that it could have been. But I guess the point is, why did you come? Why were you there if, if you weren't there to support yeah. these two? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I understand that because they, we, you, you and I discussed that a little bit. Yeah. And, and they said that they, they loved them. Well, I, that seems hypocritical to me that love somebody but you don't approve that they're in love with somebody of the same i don't get that yeah or we were just there to support the parents so uh, or, or you know whatever it was but right Nah, you shouldn't yeah, have come you shouldn't at all have come. Exactly. some people don't know maybe you don't can just go. send it send a gift or something yeah. else but. you've been to our place here down in central oregon and you know we got this bike trail kind of right mm-hmm. out in front of our house. Yes. So we saw some kind of weird happen the other day. This there, there's a there's a curve. There's a there's a steep hill that comes to a hairpin curve. And if little kids or even adults aren't aware of the speed that they're going to be picking up going down that hill, a lot of times they don't make that turn and they <laughs> crash. It happens yep, a lot. I've witnessed one. Yeah. I witnessed one bite in the dust on that corner. Yeah, so we had a we had a little kid crash there some weeks ago, and just took a. I mean, he, he goes down and he's crashed and he into the bushes and he's crying and his Aww. mom comes along and now now most parents are gonna go, Jimmy, are you okay here, honey? Let me look at you. Don't get up. Don't, wait now. Here, here, you maybe brush you off. Are you bleeding? Blah blah blah. Y- yeah. This woman's first reaction is. Jimmy, don't move. Hang on. I gotta get my gotta get my phone here. Get some video of this. This is great. <laughs> and the kids go, Mom, I'm hurt. She says, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Don't get up yet. Don't get up yet. And she's fumbling for her phone. Kid gets up and she goes, Oh great. Great. You ruined the moment. Oh my Just god. Great. She's you're chiding kidding. him for ruining what would have been a, been a lovely family. Viral video. Memory. Viral video. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what she was thinking. Memories sweeping through the ages just like that the mother you would think would say are you okay let me get you here up you're all right come here but she instead said what what did you do like she just she yelled at him for crashing yeah i crashed on purpose so i could hurt myself (laughs) oh okay well that wasn't very good thinking on your part was it right (laughs) which reminds me i saw a book review of of a, a book called small animals and it's called the subtitle is Parenthood in the Age of Fear. And it goes through one of the usual, it begins with one of the usual stories of a woman who, who uh, intentionally leaves her four-year-old alone in the car. And she, she's just dashing into the store to grab some quick things. She's maybe gone 
30 seconds, at least she thinks that. So she left him in the car, playing on his iPad. She runs into to a store on an errand. She's gone for a while, but not long. Mm-hmm. But in that time, this little kid is observed by a bystander who records a video of him alone in the back seat and gives it to authorities. And the crime, apparently, uh, or the kind of danger that this kid was in, is sort of the theme of this book. And it talks about how we weigh risk as parents and how everybody judges everybody else's parenting mm-hmm. and, and what, you know, that the result of that, that what the cost could be, not mm-hmm. just to not just to the parents but to the kids of this culture we live in now where it seems like we're under constant surveillance about everything mm-hmm. all the time. And the author makes the point, okay, well, was like was a kid sitting alone in a car playing on his iPad was he in more danger than when you're in the car with your kid driving around town right um, isn't that potentially more dangerous uh and she sure. thinks uh she thinks a child's chances of being abducted and murdered are way less than 1 in a million but a lot better chance of getting hurt in a car where a parent is op- that a parent is operating yeah and then we sort of have this misplaced sense of real dangers and we always think there's a boogeyman around the corner right in, instead of just paying attention to the real and present danger that's right in front of us right so she's thinking or he's thinking that that somebody's going to break into the car and steal the child yeah so. or whatever or, or <clears throat> the, the kid's going to be too hot in the car or, or what have you now a lot of times these these well, kinds of things a, are that justified is a, that is justifiable yeah i dogs yeah. and kids left in the car <clears throat> on this a hot wasn't day. even this wasn't a summer day or anything. It was right. just that the fact that he was left alone. That's what I mean. So the guy was worried then, not that it was a hot car. He was worried that somebody was going to come jack open the car and take the child, right? Well, I guess so or or just thought that the idea of a good parent is somebody who watches and and observes uh un, unendingly. Is yeah. ne- would Ever, never leave always. a child alone. Yeah. Never let him out of your sight hovers all the time yeah and and so the, the when the woman you know she hires a lawyer but then she agrees to go along with the uh description of the cop is uh, and she said i'm sorry my behavior was a lapse in judgment i mean she she kind of apologizes for something that arguably she really hadn't done interesting wrong people judge it immediately and then and then you say well let's let the police make the make the distinction but the but the that's not necessarily a good idea because there's all kinds of factors as we know sure. about how police react these days sure yeah uh, factors racial gender bias so any number of things about how a policeman's going to react so you don't really shouldn't leave the judgment up to them either it's, it's just kind of a tricky slippery slope and i thought a pretty good topic for a for a, a book yeah, yeah, something which, you said struck me uh earlier when you said that you know uh, parenting and people judging your parenting and I I'm not even a parent but I have to tell you I I judge parenting all the time other people's parenting I feel terrible about it because I think what right do I have I don't even know what it's like to be a parent um, but I do it all the time because usually it's though when other people's children get in my way then i'm start yeah. <laughs> then i start judging right like you yeah. shouldn't let your children get in my in my way um not just a little twerp
I don't know if I ever told you the story, the Barbie doll, Barbie doll and the suitcase story. Did I ever tell you that one? I don't know about that. Surprisingly, it happens at an airport, which is usually most of where where I... That's usually a tinderbox for you. For me, usually. And I had gotten off a flight this summer. I don't even know where I was. Doesn't matter. But uh, it was a very full flight. A lot of luggage was coming off the carousel. And people were standing back a bit uh, respectfully so people could get in and get their their luggage. So uh, these two kids... I'd say one was maybe five and one was maybe eight. Sounds about right. Rush in and get right up to the edge of the of the carousel. So they're standing there and the luggage starts coming off and people are trying to maneuver around these children to get their bags. And I, <laughs> of course, opened my big fat mouth and said, <laughs> hey, kids, why don't you move back a bit so people can get their bags? Well, the tall Ken doll father, because uh, he looks just like a Ken doll, uh, sort of reached through and had them come back. But he, w- his annoyance wasn't with them. It was with me, of course. And uh, so then all of a sudden, a uh, big red suitcase comes down. Now, meanwhile, I'm standing next to a woman in a wheelchair. She's being accompanied by the airport security and she's got a cane and she's next to me and I'm standing next to another woman and we're kind of, we kind of exchanged looks like, you know, eh, people and their kids, you know, kids shouldn't be by the carousel, right? <laughs> oh, these kids. These huh? kids, people. So then a big red suitcase comes off and the eight-year-old runs through the crowd. This suitcase is as big as this seven or eight-year-old girl she starts to rank, wrestle it off of the carousel. Now, there's no room. Everybody's just crowded in there. She gets the suitcase and swings it around and nearly knocks the woman out of the wheelchair. <laughs> so I said, hey, whoa, stop. You're going to hit that woman. <clears throat> and she stops and looks at me. And the mother comes through the crowd to to get the child in the suitcase and of course, where do you think her anger goes? To me. To you? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I said, yeah. you know, instead of, def- she goes, she was just trying to get the suitcase. I said, you know, instead of defending your child, you should be apologizing to this woman that she almost knocked out of her chair. And she, oh, she, and she looked like a Barbie doll. That's why I call this story the Barbie in the suitcase. And she said, you. she said, oh, well, are you all right? In, in a very non-convincing manner. And the woman kind of looked at her and said, yeah, I, I'm all right. But and uh, so she she stomps off back through the crowd. Well, she's not had an she's not done with me because three minutes later, she comes storming through the crowd again and says to me, I just I just can't get over how you yelled at my kid instead of yelling at her. Maybe you should have helped her. And I looked at her and I said. Written your complaints out. I said, why should I help her? She's your kid. (laughs) Was that my job to help the child that shouldn't have been at the luggage carousel? No. Because you, and this, this is where I get into this judging parenting. If it were my kids... And then she threw that thing out, too, that she said, I hope you don't have children because you you would be a horrible mother, which I don't disagree with her. Did she say that to you? Yes. 
How did she know you weren't a mother? I don't disagree. I hope you don't have children. You're a horrible person. Mama's gonna keep baby healthy and clean. Mother did it need to be so high. So, uh, uh, but again, I go back to yes. How would I, she know you're a horrible person? You'd have to know. I'd have to know you like I do for her to make that judgment. <laughs> I, I thought know. that was way out of line. No kidding. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm very judgmental, and I said. Well, I said, I don't have kids, but if I did have kids, I wouldn't let them stand around the luggage carousel. And if I did have kids, I wouldn't want to have your kids. Well, no, and the kids were very very cute and sweet, but Uh they just weren't being parented by their parents. Well, they were just excited about the luggage carousel. I don't give a crap. I don't care how excited they are. People have, we've got, we've got crap to do. We've got luggage to get, we got to get going. I don't care if they're excited. Well, Get I tell them back. You, I tell you, you know, I've spent a lot of time at the airport myself these last few weeks. And I and here here's one of my pet peeves. You're going up the escalator, and then people who stop at the top to look around. Yes. You don't get out of your way. You're coming right up behind them. <laughs> I know. And people are crashing into each other. Can't, you, couldn't you step out of the way and then gawk around? <laughs> That's true. They do. They step off and they just stand there. Yeah, stand there. Or the other thing is when you, you know, those subway things they have at the airport. Uh, the train. When, when when they stop, the train thing, the doors open and the people just immediately burst to get on. I know. Not letting the people who are already get on get off. Yeah. It's the same etiquette as elevators, I just you know? roll my suitcase right over their toes. Yeah, you just have to. You yeah. have to get tough. Oh, my Good gosh. So, yeah. anyway, uh, it yeah. just struck me when you said that. Yeah, everybody judges parenting, and I, I do feel bad because I'm not a parent, so I don't really have much to go on. In a way, that in a way that makes you a better uh, cri- critic, I think. R- really? Yeah. Because most people would say, "Well, you don't, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have any kids. What do you have? What would you know about how to how to handle the children?" Well, I, I can certainly, if I did, if I wasn't a dog owner and I saw a dog biting somebody, yeah, I, I'd still be true. able to critique that. Good point. Tell the truth. I misunderstood. I never had a thing against doing good. But when I see a full moon, I can't stop howling. Or taste a little poodle, I can't keep from growling. I'm a bad dog, and I can't change. Ain't no ointment for this kind of mange. If it itches, I scratch. If it tickles, I kick. If it smells, I sniff. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with what we were just talking about, but uh, Patty, my wife, was on uh, the internet, and maybe it came up on Facebook or something. You know, these pop-ups that just drive everybody nuts. This one was, you can take an online IQ test. She said, oh, okay, I think I'll do it. And so she had to answer like 20 questions. And then after she completed the, the online IQ test, 
the, the, it said, you can receive the results of your IQ test for $19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So if you pay the $19, but you be, should probably already figure you failed the IQ test. But be careful of those things. Those Facebook quizzes and all that stuff, it's not, nothing's for free. It's either designed to get your information or somehow figure out passwords or get money from you. So tell her to quit that. Quit taking, yeah. quit taking those online tests because there's no, no good has ever come from those. Okay, uh, I know that's a fact. Hey, yeah. uh, I saw an article about this. You know what the corpse flower is? Uh, we talked about that on the radio years ago. Doesn't it bloom like once every twenty years and it stinks mm, maybe to high more, heaven? Maybe more frequently than that, but yeah, it smells like rotten eggs. And whenever it's on display, anywhere, anytime, people say, "Oh, we got to go see it." I don't know, why. Larry. We've got to go see this. <laughs> I don't know why. why. Why do you want to go see it? Why do you want to smell rotten eggs? I don't know, <laughs> Larry. Larry, there's a carton of spoiled milk in the fridge. Come on, let's go smell it. Yeah, let's go drink it. I'm just going through a list of uh, of of observations, if not pet peeves. So we have these friends who we go visit once in a while, and and when you're on when, when you're on your own turf, you can do things your way. Mm-hmm. But when you're on a friend's turf, you, you know, acquiesce to how they like to do things. So we'll, in the evening, we'll be pouring a drink or two, and we'll be sitting and we'll watch TV. And when they bring, when the TV on, they say the TV news, for example. They listen to the TV with the volume so low, <laughs> you can barely hear it. And they're, and they're just sitting watching. And and uh, and it, it and it's driving me nuts. And, and my wife, I can't. Uh, can you can you turn that up a little bit? Okay. And it goes up maybe a skinch. <laughs> you can't really, you can't really hear it any better. Yeah. If you had your chair sitting in front of the television, you couldn't hear it. And I don't think it's a matter of my bad hearing. It's just like. That's just the way they watch TV. They if they can watch a really great show, an action movie, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, you're not going to get nearly as much out of this if you're going to listen to it that low. I don't know. I think the older you get, the louder the TV gets. So well, they're they're as old as as I am, and that's pretty old. Uh, but but yeah. for some reason, they listen to this thing to the point it's barely audible. And and the and so we keep saying, could, could you? Can you turn up just a just a little bit, just a just a little bit, and that's what he'll turn it up just a, a little, little bit. bit. It's so quiet in here. It's so peaceful in here. It's so quiet in here. So peaceful in here. Big ships out in the night. Ever floating across the waves. Sailing for some other shore Where we can be What we want to be Oh, this must be what Paradise is like Yeah This must be what Paradise is like Baby, it's so quiet in here Could you uh, turn it up just a little bit? So quiet in here. Peace a little quiet. Can you turn it up just a little bit? It's a, 
Just a skosh. So quiet in here. Just one knock. So peaceful. So quiet in here. Quite hear so I don't want it to blare, I just want it so peaceful in here. So Could you put the uh, closed captioning on? Read it. You know. So quiet, it's so quiet here. It's so peaceful. So Maybe I can just go in the other room and read. That'd be good. I just found out they're running uh, old silent movies on Turner Classic Movies tonight. Why don't we turn to that? That'd be good. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration.